It's tip-off time. The line, the jam! Welcome to ESPN Chicago's Fast Break with Jay Hood and Chris Black. Throws it to win it! Listen on your phone through the ESPN Chicago app, on FM at 100.3 HD2, and on AM at ESPN 1000. Watch the show on Twitch.tv or the Twitch app. Follow ESPN 1000 Chicago. Now here are your hosts, Jay Hood and Chris Black. All right, Jonathan, it's right around the corner. The NBA season, that's right. I believe we're within 20 days. It's like 18 or 19 days before the Bulls tip off against the Heat to kick off the NBA season. We had the media days on Monday around the National Basketball Association. And Jonathan Hood, Chris Black here with you on Fast Break. The NBA season is upon us. It's time to talk hoops. Boy, that was quick, wasn't it? Yes. That was quick. Now, look, you and I are league guys. But just through the summer that we went through and dealing with you know Chicago sports and everything else in the Chicago Bears, all of a sudden, oh, by the way, here comes the league. Now, there was a time where the league would not start until like after Election Day, like November 4th, November 6th. But it's earlier now in October, and it snuck up on us. It's like, here we go, and I cannot wait for the season to start. You know, the biggest news regarding the Bulls is some of the information that came out throughout the week and with Media Day with uh, AK, Donovan, and the Bulls speaking to the media. Shamsarania today, uh, we're recording this on Thursday, uh, has reported that the Bulls and guard Lonzo Ball, he has had that knee surgery that was reported last week. Uh, and what Shams is saying is that there's confidence in the Bulls that there's the ability to return this season following left knee surgery on Wednesday. Doctors believe they've addressed the issue. Uh, they expect Ball to miss at least a few months. Now, Jonathan, the, the point of bringing that up is what has plagued Lonzo is he had knee surgery back in January, was supposed to be ready for the playoffs, never was ready. He then takes some time off, was was done running uh, to ramp back up to be ready for this season. Throughout the summer, things didn't go right, uh, yet no one really knew what was quite wrong with that left knee. Uh, Shams is reporting that the doctors believe the uh, the issue has been addressed. So hopefully Lonzo, moving forward, can get back to rehab and, and join the team uh, sometime after December, I would, I would imagine. So that's almost a full year, Chris, without uh, playing basketball. And the hope is, if you're a Bulls fan, is that once he's back, he is healthy and ready to go. Last time that we saw him ball and Caruso, along with uh, Williams against Sparingly, did a really good job defensively. But Caruso and Ball were at the top of the key, and it gave you really good perimeter defense. What I looked at with uh, with Ball when he first came to the Bulls is, man, his shooting's gotten better. You know, you're over a 35, 36% clip the, uh, from three-point range, and so now you're starting to get a really good two-way player. The hope is now that when he's back, and if that's January of 2023, then he'll only be able to enhance what the Bulls already have. They will be fine without him, but even better with him defensively and the ability to shoot the outside jumper. Yeah, and that's where we're going to have to see uh, some of the others, especially the guards, kind of step up. Uh, I think many are expecting Aodesumu to take another step in his uh, second season in the league. I would, I would basically, I would pump the brakes just a little on assuming a huge jump. Mm-hmm. But we know that Io brings great uh, tenacity on defense. He's a smart basketball player. He doesn't make a lot of mistakes. He's a playable guy, right? He can give you 25 minutes a night and be a, a benefit to your team. 
I would just uh, kind of wait and see on if the offensive game takes that next step. If it does, then that will be fantastic for the Bulls because it's kind of something they've been waiting on Kobe White to do for the last couple of seasons. Well, I, I guess from my standpoint, Chris, is that I, I know that this team can score. I know that there's enough offense to stay in a lot of ball games in the league. My concern is what this team will look like defensively. And it sounds like our preview show from last year when we looked at the roster and I told you, Chris, I just think they're a little small in the rebounding edge, right? Because when we see Vucevic, as much as I like him, I mean, that's you know, I think he's a solid player. I think he can be even better from three-point range this upcoming season. But when you are 28th in the league in total rebounds per game, uh, that makes you a very average defensive team. And if some of this, if you're getting something from Drogic or from Desumu that can help out defensively at the point guard spot, I'll definitely take it. It is next man up from the point guard spot uh, for this team. But I'm really concerned about how the Bulls can stop the ball from penetrating guards, from uh, wide-open threes. That's a concern for me because you know Billy Donovan's teams get up and down the floor, but they don't defend enough. No, no doubt. Uh, I agree with you to that point, and I think that's the difference what we saw when, when this team was playing well in December. Uh, heading into January last year, and they were the best team in the East. Mm-hmm. It was because of the defense. Right, like it was, it was defensive-minded style of play from from uh, Caruso, uh, from Io, from uh, Derek Jones coming off the bench and kind of mixing it up, and then allowing kind of the guys who are just supposed to be scorers, Zach and DeRozan, to kind of do their thing, and it it actually made a lot of sense. Lonzo had a lot to do with that, and so with him out, that's where they're going to have to pick up on the defensive end from the other guards. You know, Jonathan, on Monday for the uh, media day, here on, here on the podcast, we don't play uh, sound from people too often. Uh, we Ooh. do on the show from Fast Break when we're on the air. Sure. But we, we don't – we just kind of talk here. Uh, I did want to play something for you, though, because I thought it was interesting. Karnaschovas was asked – I think it was by Joe Cowley. AK was asked whether or not he questions running it back with this group after seeing all the different moves that were made in the Eastern Conference this offseason, right? Like, it was kind of the Bulls kind of made a point that they weren't really going to do anything crazy. And a lot of teams improved around the East. 76ers, you know, like, there there are some big... And then, obviously, Brooklyn getting back their two stars. Uh, Here's AK on whether or not they question now the decision to run it back for this season after seeing all the different movement that took place in the Eastern Conference this summer? It doesn't change. It's just because I don't think we saw our group and with any kind of consistency. Uh, we had 29 different starting lineups last year. Um, you know, we didn't have Lonzo since January. So it's been, you know, 50, whatever, three games. Uh, we, we played without him. So, you know, I think uh, we need to see, you know, we need time to see this group play together uh, longer to have any kind of conclusion because we, we liked what we saw in the first 20 games. Um, but I think this, this group needs a lot more time and uh, the things that we're going to focus on because it's, it's a lot of talent at this team. Uh, the things that we're going to focus on is chemistry and team cohesion and relationships um, because we all understand that you know the talent wins games and relationships win 
the championship. So we're trying to move towards, you know, with winning in mind and everything that we do in our building is thinking about, you know, winning. Jonathan Hood. <laughs> Wait a minute. Hold on a second. Jonathan Hood, yes. Hold on a second. Uh-huh. Now, that's the first time I've ever heard that in my oh. career or ever hear this as a fan. Relationships <laughs> win championships. They're going to focus on relationships. So we're going to go out and we're going to be uh-huh. steady and we're uh-huh. going to be, I mean, that's, that's how you. Yeah, you we're going to have a couple of team events. We're going to go to, uh, we're going to have some off sites. Huh. Uh, we're going to do some. We're going to have some meals. Uh, we're we're going to drink. We're going to enjoy hmm. uh, company. Uh, we're going to have uh, someone come in and and uh, do. Um, they're going to uh, come in and do magic for us. Magic, yeah, oh, it's yeah, Joe Madden. Yeah, okay. it, okay. it, it, well, it's going to be team building uh, activities, right? And it's going to. Uh, so your thoughts on hearing that from AK hmm. on Monday? He was questioned whether or not the Bulls regret uh, making a. a Drastic moves here in the offseason, trying to get uh, better players on the roster. Mm. And that was Karnaschovas' uh, response. What do you think of that? Well, I think that if he feels that the Bulls just running it back with this core is good enough, that's fine. That sounds like a guy that feels like he's going to be in the job for a decade because he feels like he has the the room to be able to say, let's take a look at this roster. If we get bounced in the first round, then you need to make changes. Now, if it's my team, I'm not making drastic changes, Chris, but i got to figure out now how can I bolster the, the small forward spot after DeMar DeRozan because – DeRozan was going to go into his fourth, 14th season. Will he be as good this season as he was last? If you are a smart GM, you got to figure out, well, I got to do better than uh, Derek Jones Jr. or Javante Green as a backup, you know, a small forward. So, listen, the core is good enough to compete, I would agree. However, if you are bounced in the, in the first round, or if God bless in the second round, if you can get there, that's great. In a very tough East, then I think that you have to take a look at how you could change the the supporting cast because you know Levine isn't going anywhere. Patrick Williams and Vucevic are part of this core, and so what about the rest of them? So I I would push back on that a little bit and say the Bulls should have been better than just getting Drummond and Drogic in the off season. Yeah, I I heard that on Monday, and I was yeah. like, huh, all right. There's a there's a soundbite for the podcast because mm-hmm. uh, it is interesting. The East is better, and I think if you wanted to play the game of putting it down on paper and trying to find out who makes the playoffs, I wouldn't be surprised if many people have the Bulls in the playing game, uh, and and wow. not not as a one through six solidified uh, playoff team without having to play to get in. Uh, I'm not going to be surprised when people start saying that as we head into the season. I think they're better than that. I I do agree with him to a certain extent. At times last year, they were very good. But then also, like, is Vooch fading, or is he going to improve and be the three-point shooter we saw two years ago? I, I, I think there's there's a lot with this team that guys have to get better. Uh, and then also the, the best player on the team and the franchise face – who got the new contract in the offseason, Zach Levine needs to take it to a new level. I don't know if he can do that. Well, what else do you want Want to see, Chris? I mean, you see the numbers from Zach Levine, and you know that he could fill it up. 
and so to answer my own question, what else do you want to see? Uh, you want to see more heroics in the fourth quarter? Do you have a closer on this roster that you could put the ball in his hands and he could help you from a you know, six- to eight-point deficit in the fourth quarter? Can he shoot you back into a game on a regular basis? Because that's what closers do, don't they? Yeah, yeah, it's, it's that. It's the uh, turnovers and bad spots at the end of games. It's decision-making. It's also playing that consistent defense the entire season. I, I, I don't like the the season is not made in December. Mm-hmm. Like I get it, Stacy was touting how great Zach's defense was improved sure. on, on the NBC Sports broadcast early in the season, no doubt. But by the time we were hosting Fast Break after the All Star break on on Saturday afternoons, mm-hmm. there were many times where it was like, hold up, all that talk about Zach improving defensively. That has kind of slipped away as the season has gone on. Well, he was inconsistent in the lineup himself because he had COVID three or four times. Well, yeah, right. Yeah, everybody's defense was good when the Bulls were 38-21 and in first place leading into the All-Star break. Sure. <laughs> so, I mean, everybody everybody was connected then because they were beating upper echelon teams. That would, I'll never forget that West Coast trip where it's like those games, like, ah, the Bulls are not going to get Oh, they're beating the boom, Clippers. Boom, they're beating Denver. Boom. Yeah, Lakers, knocking like, off teams. Like, oh, okay. You know, and then, and then it flipped towards the end of the season. Every big matchup against a top team, they lost. And they, they were getting blown out in, in, a, in the majority of those games. I don't remember it off the top of my head, but the, the stat was like 0-17. That's correct. Against like top three or four playoff seeds in each conference by the time we got to the end of the season. Uh, so, so this is why you say, hey, maybe you could have made a few changes. And again, it's not the starting lineup as much as it is tweaks off the bench, uh, a little bit more size. You want to get some rebounding. You want get to get better defensively because if you're watching the season and you're seeing you're getting blown off the floor against upper echelon teams where the Bulls are good but not good against the top uh, level of the East and West, uh, that's a problem. But – from Connor Shelvis standpoint, he preaches patience. You know, why it comes from Denver because all you had to do, in Denver, all you do is is have patience. Yeah, you you, you you win fifty plus games and get bounced in the first round. That's just a tough West when he was uh, in the front office of the Denver Nuggets. He's doing this same thing with the Bulls. All I'll tell you is this, Chris. Mm-hmm. We take a look at this Eastern Conference and we can go through it. You know, I I was just looking quickly at Vegas Insider, and there's a couple other places where they have the uh, the total for Bulls wins at 42 and a half. Um, I've seen it as low as 39 in a couple of places, and that won't get the job done. They won 46 games last year. Uh huh. So that they're talking about uh, just one website has slippage. They, they will they'll win 42. They they say the over under is 42. So 42 wins would put them at 11th in the East last season. The yep. Hornets were 10th, and they had 43 wins. What does that say? Yeah, well, and, and that's, that's why like, we, we started this conversation by, by the, the idea that a lot of people are going to be picking the Bulls to go backwards this year. But, but, and again, there's nothing wrong with the team as far as its core. You, you, can, you can win with this team. You know that. Like, let, let me make sure it's clear. Yeah, you could. I, yeah, well, let me make sure it's clear, because making the playoffs is great. That's one of your goals at, for any team to be in the postseason. The Bulls last year were in the playoffs for the first time since 2017. And uh, that 46-36 that, uh, and 36 record, 
uh, since 2017. Pretty nice. I like that. You had DeRozan, you had Ball, you had Caruso. But, and, but I look at it as you're good, but we should go through the East and take a look because you look at the one-two punches or the one-two-three punches in this Eastern Conference, and then you compare it to the Bulls, and then you tell me if that, if that 42 number is right or not. I think, it, I think it's low. I think the team is better than the the forty two. All right, well let's go um, to Milwaukee. Let's go to Milwaukee at fifty one and thirty one last year. They, as you know, how strong that team is. A Holiday and uh, and Middleton and Giannis. I mean, they'll they'll have something to say this year, right? Sure. Oh, no doubt. I I think Philly will be better. Philly. Uh, PJ Ooh. Tucker is there now, and and I I think he brings a lot to the table, not only from shooting, but he he also can play great defense. He would have a nice bowl, wouldn't he? He would have been. Uh, Toronto may be a team that could could take a step back, like many suggest the Bulls are. All right. Brooklyn takes a step forward because you get a full-time Kyrie Irving. Yeah, team dysfunction. They sold the talent, though. Like, that's well, a scary thing. Well, let's see if the talent stays together for 82 games. Yeah. Like, like I'm, I'm not... I'm not saying that they won't. I'm just saying that Simmons is saying all the right things on NBA radio and in interviews he's doing. I actually saw him as on Ball is Life shooting threes. Did you see that clip? Yeah. yeah. Okay. We'll see. I mean, Steve Nash said today as we record this that he says, I don't care if Simmons never shoots a, a basketball for the Brooklyn Nets. Okay. <laughs> okay. You're a basketball guy, uh, Hall of Famer. Okay. You don't care if Simmons doesn't shoot the basketball? Okay. <laughs> That's why I said let's keep our eyes on that. So, but I would agree, talent-wise, better than Bulls, yes. I don't think uh, – well, I'll give you this. Cleveland's going to be better. Yes. My partner keeps saying, he can't guard. The Ooh. dude can score 21 points a game. I don't care if Dom he can't Mitchell? guard. Yeah. Of course he can. Neither can Zach Levine. You know what the difference is? The Cavs have young talent. I think they're going to be very good this year. I mean, they're 44 wins uh, last year. Donovan Mitchell gets them closer to the 50-win mark. Totally agree. Um, Atlanta will be right in the conversation. Sure. Charlotte, eh, I'm not as no, interested in the Hornets, but no, they no. won 43 last no. year. They'll have something to say, though. Yeah, They'll they have will. something to say. The Knicks won 37. Yeah, Jalen Brunson. I don't know if that necessarily catapults you into the playoffs, but... They won't make it. Yeah. I mean, do you see a team out of those in the top 10? Did you say Miami? I think you skipped Miami. Miami, yeah. Miami will be in the conversation for sure. Okay. All right. So so out of the 10 that qualify for the play-in and then the playoff teams, I don't see any of them except for maybe the Hornets just dropping out. The Hornets, the Raptors, the Bulls, and and the Hawks are in the same bag for me. Sure. Okay. Is that fair or no? Yeah, that's a fair grouping. Okay. Because then, but, you, you could argue that Raptors, Bulls, Hawks, Hornets, that those are the, the four playing teams. I think that's I think that's accurate. Um and, and so the one thing I'll ask is because of what happened with the Udoka and the and the Celtics, uh with him being suspended for a year. Yeah. How does that affect the Celtics? Because one of the unsung heroes of last year is Udoka pushing the Celtics. There was real coaching you can see 
yeah. watching the Celtics. Not like it's not like oh he looks good in the suit or someone is just very good when they put the mic on you know on ESPN or TNT. He's saying all the right things. No, you could actually see the coaching and the adjustments from one half to the other with Adoka as a head coach. Without that, does that what does that do? I know their their win totals off the board. <laughs> so now that Mazzola is the head coach, um, the assistant now moves over sixteen inches as the head coach as the interim. I don't know what that does. I know they're going to be good, but we got to keep our eyes on that story. You know, and and also with with the Celtics, how long Robert Williams is out is going to be a big deal too. Mm-hmm. Um, in the playoffs and in the the finals, he was a game changer defensively, uh, and Udoka really did coach them up. And and what was the like theme of of the Celtics last year? It was a team that like openly admitted that the players didn't like each other. Yes, but they found a way to coexist and to win basketball games. And I think Emi Udoka was a, a big part of why that team stuck together and, and played great defense and, and kind of got to the point that they were in the finals. Uh, yeah, I, I think what was weird to me from media day is how almost to a man, it sounded like the players don't even know what's going on. And they sound confused by the suspension and the situation and what's taking place. Uh, so for a group that needed kind of someone to, to bond them together, I could see a step back, but they have a lot of talent, and they're still better than teams like Atlanta and Charlotte. So I think they're still a playoff team, but I, could, I don't see necessarily a run to the finals. It's strange, Chris, because I'm sure, without being in that locker room, I have not made a, made a call to people I know that cover the Celtics or around that organization yet because uh, we haven't gotten to the season because I just wanted to simmer a little bit before we get to the regular season. I wonder if there are some Celtics that have, a, have given the organization a side eye saying, why did you expose this or why are you suspending him? We had harmony. You know, we have harmony now, you know, Jalen Brown and uh, Jalen Brown is getting along with uh, Tatum. With Tatum, so everything's Mark fine is there. Smart too. Yeah, so they all getting along. Why did you suspend our coach? Yeah. Why couldn't you kept it? I'm sure it's a lot of that too. Like, why would you mess up our chemistry? And now I wonder is there some backlash from some of the players about the Celtics organization about what happened? Yeah, and what's wild is like guys saying that they weren't told about it until they saw it on social media. Mm-hmm. Or like they don't like didn't Marcus Smart say on Monday that he still doesn't even know what's going on? That's right. Like so remove the conversation about the actual uh suspension and the the uh situation around Udoka. Yeah. Isn't it weird that the like PR strategy from the Celtics wasn't even to prepare the players on what they should kind of know or or t- now I get that there could be situ- there could be things within this situation that the players cannot be told for like legal reasons but like isn't it weird that like they sent them out for media day and players are like openly talking about how they didn't know what was happening or why it happened or what's going on with their coach well that's a bad job by Brad Stevens that's a bad job by uh by Wick you know the front office there you you got to you got to say something before you go to the media you can say what you got to say right legally and saying hey the head coach of this basketball team um 
had a consensual relationship with someone that works here, which is something that you cannot do. And so we are reprimanding Adoka for a year because of that. Um, I know, and that whole thing is a slippery slope too. the conversation of, well, it was consensual relationship. The point is though, is that you got to declare, you got to say something, right? You've got to be able to tell the Celtics, Hey, I have a relationship with someone here, uh, in the front office. I just want you to know. So that way you're not sued. So that way you're not put, uh, taken off guard. I'm, I am having a sexual personal relationship with X, whatever the lady's name is. Even at our, even at our company, you got to declare. Yeah, yeah, no doubt. I, I just think it was. It's now maybe they didn't have a choice based on how it kind of played out and the timing of it, but it just seems weird to me that you had players openly questioning what was going on. It's a bad job. Especially if it's like way worse than what has even been out there. Like at that point, you like you can't have players out there being like, I don't know what's going on around here. You know what I mean? Like, yeah, like that to me is just a weird strategy overall from the Celtics. It's but you know what, Chris? As a professional, no matter what's happening, this team should be good enough. Now, are they fifty-one and thirty-one good? Yeah, maybe not. Maybe not. Maybe a lot of that has to do with Williams being out at the start of the season. Um, be- yeah, yeah. But, yeah, I, I agree with you. They should be professional enough to at least get you the fifth spot, sixth spot, being that combo. I'll tell you one thing for the Bulls. This will be a dogfight because, remember last year, look at the, the Heat actually were the number one seed. The Celtics came out, out of all of that, that yep. rubble. Uh, the Bucks are were good, but not good enough. Sixers good, but not good enough. The high watermark in the West was the Suns at sixty four wins, and then the Memphis, a scrappy, strong Memphis team with fifty six. Nobody had fifty six wins in the East because everyone was was fighting one another. The Bulls actually at one point, as we mentioned, were the number one seed, and and Bulls fans were like pounding their chest, like yeah. And you drop to six. That's how tough the East is. <laughs> and remember, wow. this summer, uh, James Harden has said that he got into shape because he doesn't care about anything outside of winning. So James Harden claims he's going to be back to the old James Harden this season. He said he dropped 100 pounds. <laughs> wow. Okay. All he cares about is winning. Yeah. You know what? You know what? He prob that's probably right. That's probably right. All he cares about is winning. But the way he goes about it, hopscotching across this country is a problem. Yeah. Now he's under the, the embrace of the Sixers management now, so he's gonna be okay. But I, I I told you this two years ago, or maybe a year ago, and I still feel strongly about it. The new US citizen Joel Embiid <laughs> who says it's bl- it's a blessing to be an American. Um will leave the Sixers and get tired of James Harden. I'll be good because I think the Bulls will be ready to chase a star at that point. I, 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 uh, Chris, I, I, that, I have that ticket still in my back pocket, and I'll be glad to pull it out when, when, the, when Joel Embiid officially says, I've had enough. I love that. <laughs> I love <laughs> the it. ticket is still there. <laughs> I love it so much. Yeah. So, so there's that. And so... Uh, speaking of the Suns, we talked about them, just talked about their 64 and 18 mark. Robert Sarver, out of the NBA. Chris, let me tell you something about Robert Sarver. So Robert Sarver is someone 
who thought that he could walk around the halls or, or do business the way he wants to by using the N-word and uh, being misogynistic. And uh, those claims apparently were true. His statement, and I don't have it in front of me, so I'll just paraphrase. The statement from Sarver just talking about how, you know, I'm going to sell uh, the Suns. I'm going to sell my team because of the nature and the climate of today. Nature being and the politically climate. correct. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Can I just tell you something? You know, for Robert Sarver, if you want to go around spouting the N-word and be misogynistic and, you know, live life the way you want to, go right ahead. But just understand that there's always going to be ramifications for your actions. Be who you want to be, but you are in a league that's 80% black. You think that you can go around and doing these things and saying these things and think that businesses are going to come flocking to you? The Suns are at the top of the West uh, uh, last year. They're a team that's going to be a perennial playoff team. PayPal got off of, of the uniforms of the Suns so quickly when they found out about Robert Sarver and when he did the, when he, they had the investigation of Sarver. They're like, nah, I don't want to do business with you. And all of a sudden, sponsor starts dropping. Yeah. Well, what happened? Because of the climate, because the way things are now. I mean, I have to sell. You have to sell because you're an ass. That's why. 100%. There's no room for it in the league or anywhere. Uh, As you said, like, if that's how he wants to live his life, Mm -hmm. go for it. But, like, if he was a restaurant owner, I'm not going to your restaurant. Uh, So I'm not going to support your team if I'm a sponsor or a partner uh, in the Phoenix area if that guy still owns the team. Adrian Wojnarowski put out that uh, article talking about it after the the original article of the reports came out, mm-hmm. saying that billionaires perked up when they saw that Phoenix might be available to be uh, purchased in the NBA because it's a sleeping giant, a hot spot. It's a Western city, great weather, uh, and the potential to kind of turn them into a major player for free agency down the road, much like Miami, Los Angeles some of the other spots that, that free agents flock to. Uh, so good riddance. You're not welcome in the league. Uh, you can't force necessarily owners out, but if he wants to blame the climate on him being uh, a terrible person, then okay, we'll take it. Right? Like yeah. if that's how it has to happen is you saying that it's the climate that's the problem. Now, I think ideally people would like uh, Adam Silver to just step in and take the franchise from someone who's going to definitely profit from this sale of the Phoenix Suns um, like he did for Donald Sterling. But unfortunately, it doesn't seem as if that's going to take place here. But at least he won't be the owner, uh, hopefully after the the, pro- the progression of selling off the franchise takes takes hold. Silver was a little shaky in his press conference, by the way. I don't, it's the first time that I saw him a little bit unsettled over this whole thing with Robert Sarver. Not saying that he didn't want to, uh, or or it's not like he wanted Sarver to stay, clearly, based on what was going on. But I thought right. that was kind of the most shaky that I've seen him in the press conference and didn't answer questions uh, that well. But I guess the, the angle to this uh, about the Suns, Chris, is, so how does this affect the Suns? You know, we talked about the Celtics and how it affects them without having Ime uh, Udoka as the head coach. How can you cheat on Nia Long? She's so fine. Um, but when it comes to the Suns, what is this? What happens now? Is business as usual? Will the Suns be as strong without Sarver? I don't think it necessarily affects the on the court situation, mm-hmm. um, especially if if 
he, they do get sold to Jeff Bezos, who's been rumored to be interested, or uh, the other name would be uh, Bob uh, Iger, right? The yes, uh, former uh, D- Disney uh, CEO. Uh, mm-hmm. If someone like that comes in with billions of dollars and buys the team, then I, I think everything's fine. I, I think what I found interesting from Media Day from the Suns, DeAndre Ayton said that he has not talked to Mont- Monty Williams since the end of last season. I read that. What's Is everything okay there? Uh, so, yes and no. Uh, so, with, you know, the way it worked with the Suns, they, they signed the qualifying offer, right? The restrictive yeah. free agent offer with... Aiton, Aiton was like locked in, ready to go to the Pacers, uh, and then the Suns decided to bring him back when other things were kind of falling through for them. Monty says that what Aiton said is true, but the reasoning is that he didn't want to talk to any of the players throughout the summer because he wanted to let them just uh, be individuals and to, to work on their game throughout the summer and not worry about being coached up by him because they've they've heard way too much from him uh, throughout the season. So that he clarified that because, like, Aiton's comments made it seem as if uh, they didn't even see each other. But Monty said that, like, they were both in the facility at the same time throughout the summer working and that Monty specifically didn't go out on the court to, like, coach up players because he wanted them to let them just like have their summer well i tell you one thing this monty williams he is no donovan billy donovan i mean billy donovan was went to slovenia to see Drogic. he got he got on a plane to see him and he went to go see drummond like a college coach yeah What's wrong with you, Monty? Why don't you talk to your players? It's uh, it's a it's a different approach, but also with a player specifically who, basically, he was out right. Like he wasn't getting minutes at the end of uh, games in the playoffs last year. Uh, disappointing end to the Suns' run, and then also he thought he was going somewhere else. Uh, but I mean, Aiton's from the area. He went to Arizona. He he's going to be a Sun going forward. I think they can still win with him. So I, I think it, it it'll work out in the end, but I don't think the Sarver thing will affect the basketball team. Okay. All right, my friend. Uh, do we have something in the mailbag? Yeah, let's take a look at the mailbag. We have a couple there. Uh, oh. Let's see. Uh, Wayne wants to know, which player do the Bulls need to take the biggest leap in order to surpass last season's results? Hmm. What do you think? Well, my answer is Patrick Williams. Mm-hmm. Patrick Williams needs to become uh, a budding superstar for this team to kind of get to the next next spot. I think that's the answer. Patrick Williams. I think that's good. I think that's fair. Uh, can I get uh, Can I get twenty points? No, that's too much. Can I get? Uh, sorry, that would be nice. Yeah, I forgot about Levine's. Uh, he's gonna be shooting the ball. Um, Twenty and eight, maybe. That'd be nice. Oh, I was. Can I get fifteen and eight? Okay, that that would be progress, right? Yeah. Can I get fifteen and eight from him? And also, can I get ten and five from Drummond? Ooh, that that might be a tougher way to go. Well, I mean, listen, Drummond I'm, has that much to offer still. It's funny. I'm watching as we as we do this. You know, it's on NBA TV. I'm watching uh, the Hawks and the Nets 
some random game from yeah. last year, and I'm watching Drummond. He's out there in the fourth quarter, man. Oh, yeah. For the Nets, I mean. I'm watching him. Um, well, well, I got you down for that. And now, uh, Williams, to, to your um, asking for 15, he had nine uh, points per game, and he had four rebounds per last year. So if he could give us 15 and, and eight, Almost double the the production rebounding, but uh, getting at least to 15 points per game offensively, that'd be pretty good. I think Casey Johnson asked, too, could we see Vucevic and Drummond on the floor at the same time? I think that's something that uh, that Donovan said we could see. Yeah. Well, you need rebounding, and like yeah. I listen, I know that you get the garbage rebounds from Vucevic. He'll give you 20 and 10. That's, I don't think there's any question. I, Some nights he could do that. How would you round out that? So then you would go to Rosen, Caruso, Zach. I could yep. see that. Yeah, I could see it. It would be a little light offensively, I think, but I, I could see it. Mm-hmm. The the other two would have to score a bunch then. Well, DeRose again. DeRozan is in fourteenth season, so. Uh, CJ on uh, your Facebook wall says, I don't expect Lonzo to be back for some time. If at all this season, does Io get the call to start at point guard or do they go with someone with experience like Goran Dragic? Yeah. So that's, I think that's the key question. So opening night for the Bulls, is Dragic better off the bench or do you go Io in that spot? I think uh, I'm ruling out uh, Kobe White, right? Because no one wants to play him. No. no. Uh, and then I'm also ruling out Caruso because he needs to lead the second unit. Correct. Uh, so so I think you're right and CJ's right in pointing out the two individuals who would be up for it. I would start Io, mm. And I would hope that Io could be at least uh, reliable in taking care of the basketball and playing defense and then allowing others to facilitate offense. And then you could come in with Goran off the bench with Caruso and like mix in minutes with Kobe White. I, I think that would make a lot of sense. So where does Costas Antetokounmpo fit in? Uh, so there's there's a role for a team. Every team's got a guy that's in the uniform, the the warmups, but he doesn't actually have the uniform on under uh-huh. the warmups. And he's there to support his teammates. Uh huh. He's there to support. He's six ten. He can't get on the floor. Yeah, pro- uh, probably probably not. Yeah, probably. I think that he's there to try to get Giannis here for the next couple of years, and that's fine. I like that strategy. <laughs> that strategy makes a lot of sense to me. A recruiter, <laughs> I like it. Okay, I'm just asking a question. Like, I like it. Drogic in in short bursts, I think can really be good. Of a, a veteran guard, I think it's fine. I got no problem with that pickup as long as he just is in there in spurts, Chris. Well, like, I no- mean. Heck, yeah. he played a lot of minutes in the Euros that just finished a couple of weeks ago. Yeah. He was awesome. He was playing yeah. some big minutes. So, I mean, he can still play. But you're right. For an 82-game season, you don't want to rely no. on, on him to, to kind of get you throughout the point guard position. But I think that's where we, we hope that Io takes it to the next level. With 30 seconds left, I want everyone to know that you want to see some hoops. Chris, will be, Chris and I will be watching. Hoops. 5 a.m. on Friday. Golden State, Washington on NBA TV. That's the first game, brother. Where are they? They're in China? I think so. Yeah, I think I think they're... Um... DVR it. Yeah, it's going to be early. All yes, right, let's yes, do it. It is in Japan. So, yes. Oh, Japan, so, okay. Yeah, so, so Golden State, Washington, 5 a.m., Friday the 30th. There you go. Watch it. 
the season right Actually, around the corner. There's two preseason games. Also, there's a uh, there's a Clipper game as well. The Clippers will be out there. Ooh, all right, that's pretty good. Gets uh, Maccabi. I think that's Maccabi yeah. Tel Aviv. Yes, that's in Seattle. All right. <laughs> <laughs> yes, that's in Seattle. That's close to Japan. Yeah, it's out there. So there you go. All right, Jonathan, follow Jonathan on Twitter at TweetJHood. You can listen to Jonathan weekday mornings, Cap and J Hood, right here on ESPN 1000, Chicago's home for sports. You can hear me on Bluck and Abdallah, weeknights, 6 to 8, right here on ESPN 1000. Mm-hmm. Uh, and we will have another fast break right around the corner. Like I said, the season is what? Just under 20 days away. Yeah, 19 days away. Woo! Here we go. Yeah. NBA is just right around the corner. Let's do it. In this pre- in this spot, we'll have our full NBA preview show. So look forward to it right here on Fast Break. I'll keep my notes here for that show. Hmm, Kawhi. Some loose change within the notes. <laughs> Just it's a lot of stuff here. Got a lot of stuff for our preview show. I'm getting it ready. I have John Wall and Kawhi Leonard thoughts. All right. Talk to you later. Hmm. Paul George. <laughs>